Right, we can just, uh, we'll just flip this. I'll, I'll just, just, just flip this. Like a, the next Hi, week. you're listening to Be Not Goffed Hours with Columbia Bum Bum. Hello, hello. Welcome to the show. You have reached the studio of Elvis Gleason. I invite you all to kick back with a beverage of your choice because we're about to go after hours. Welcome, Kalevi. Meeting Kalevi is the closest thing any of us will ever get to know what it's like to meet Obama. He has very naturally floated into leadership positions across Canberra, first as the vice captain of Canberra Grammar, then the president of Johns, and more recently, one of Canberra's leading documentarians for social good. Thanks for joining us after hours, Kalevi. Absolutely. Butter me up, Elvis. Jeez. Um, <laughs> good to be here. Thanks for having me. So, Everyone calls you Kleppy Baba, but that's not true. It's Kleppy Mbamba. <laughs> that's correct, yeah. You know, like, uh, it's something I've really been trying to pick up on lately, uh, just mm. because, you know, I've, I haven't been back to Fiji in two and a half years or three years. Um, so I've, I've kind of been feeling that disconnection from, from the Fiji inside of me for sure. Um, so I, I, I've kind of let everyone slip by with just saying Baba, you know. A lot yeah. of people have the nickname Baba for me, and um, it's just not something that I ever really wanted or cared to to, to fix people up on. Um, but it's definitely, you know, um, something I've been trying to do now. My sister caught me doing it, just mm-hmm. letting letting it slide. I even called myself Kalepi Baba once, um, and she got absolutely furious. So it's definitely something I'm trying to fix, um, and it's, it's not that hard to, you know, you just got to explain that in Fijian, um, any B has an M before it. Which which is which is confusing and there's a lot of other rules there as well, but yeah, um, yeah. yeah that, that's the truth of my name. Yeah, I I think that's nice as well to almost go back to your identity and try and reclaim parts of that. I'd be curious to know what does it mean for you to be Fijian? Yeah, you know it's 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 such a tough question and it's really one I've been grappling with um, for the for you know my my adult teens all the way through um, university. I think for me it it, it stands for Resilience, um, you know, being able to, to rebuild from whatever comes your way, uh, is a is a trait that, that the Pacific Islanders definitely know how to deal with. Um, it's not focusing on what's happened in the past. It's it's focusing on how, how you rebuild, how you how you make the most or make an opportunity of the the devastation that ten, you know that can sometimes happen. Um, and I need to look at Cyclone Winston back in twenty sixteen, Sarah. But um, apart from that, family, uh, love. Happiness, I think, is a big one. Um, you know, growing up in Fiji, whenever I used to go back and see Dad, he'd take me to one village, which is a village he was he pretty much escaped to um, after after being quite heavily um, politically oppressed, um, and seeing the kids run around with absolutely nothing. You know, they 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 pull the crate to crate around behind them and make car sounds. Um, that was something that, that, that will always stick with me. It, it, it doesn't take much to make me happy, and I, I definitely think that's because of the specific heritage I hold. Do you think the reason people look up to you then as a, a leader is that enduring sense of positivity, that, that resilience? Do you think it's that, or could it be something else? Yeah, you know, I think if there's anything that um, I'm, I'm proud of myself for is, is that, you know, uh, I, I've always stayed positive. Um, I've, I've fought to do that no matter, no matter the circumstances. Um, and that's something I'm really happy for. Um, I definitely think that sometimes I kid myself and I don't really understand how much stress I'm going through at the time. And, you know, I'll, I'll still be happy. Um, but I just won't notice these weights stacking up on top of my shoulders a lot of the time. And that definitely happened when I was president. Um, I burnt out pretty heavily towards the end. Um, 
so yeah, I, I I would say if there's if there's any <laughs> endearing trait to my life, um, it's the fact that life's worth living for me, um, and I, I plan on, on I plan on making that a statement of my life. Nice, nice. I notice you don't really speak about your mum. You know, we're, we're, there's a, a lot of emphasis on your dad. Mm. What is that that mum like for you, Cliffy? My mother is probably the best human being on the face of the planet. Um, you know, she was a single mother, pretty much raised me. Um, I think, I think for me, I would always go back to Fiji for two weeks a year, um, while I was growing up and, and my dad would condense that two weeks into lecture time where he'd just lecture me on everything from, um, you know, uh, how to talk to people in the street, for example, all the way to, you know, my cultural and, and historical background. Um, whereas mum was, she was just such a steady part of my life. Like, uh, I cannot fault her. She would drive me to training. She would drive me to my friend's houses whenever I wanted to. Um, because my sister was so much older than me, I was pretty much an only child. And I think that, you know, moving back to Australia, mum definitely made me, uh, a center of my, a center of her life. And I was, I was extremely fortunate to, uh, for that. Um, got absolutely doted on. So that, that's my mum, and she's, she's the most compassionate person I know, uh, outside of my sisters as well. Um, so I think, there is a lot I owe to her, absolutely, in terms of in terms of my formation as as a human, um, and you know, like you said, uh, I had two sisters as well, so uh, I think I was I was allowed to have that that feminine side shine through, definitely, because you know, um, dad was was quite strict. I remember he'll 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 always say that he always said that whenever I was doing theatre and stuff, he would make you know kind of snide comments about about doing theatre and and you know being a drama boy, etc. Whereas my, my, my sisters and mum were never like that. And they just allowed me to kind of get in touch with that, that more feminine aspect of myself. To, to really take some value on board and make your life represent that, that is a, a very deep-rooted leadership quality. Hmm. Do you think you were, like, by virtue of your dad being a, a Fijian politician, uh, do you think you were born into that? Or was that a learnt behaviour? In, into, into what, sorry? Into, into leadership. Ah, oh, yeah, I'm not really too certain. I think there was, there, it was never really something I ever thought about until I ran for, for student representative council in, in year seven. I'll never forget, you know, I, I had dad tutoring me on, on, you know, the kind of stuff I'd say, and he, he was saying, if there's one thing you can do, it's make a promise. And I made a promise that I would, um, I would build toilets for the year sevens only, because the year sevens would used to, you know, go to the toilet line and have the year twelves like chuck us out of the way. It's critical. Um, it's critical. But it I, I rocked, I rocked up straight to this this SRC meeting and, um, you know, said that look, there was one thing I was elected on, and it was, uh, it was these new toilets. And um, the head of the school at the time looked at me and just said, "How much do you think toilets cost?" Um, and I was like, "You know, a couple of thousand dollars." And he was like, "At least fifteen thousand dollars." And then he just crossed it off the agenda list and moved on to the next thing. <laughs> But, you know, that was the, that was the, definitely the start of kind of my leadership journey. Um, and before that, it, you know, I, th I think I was just like anyone else. Um, absolutely. It was just taking that first step um, that gave me the confidence to kind of be like, oh, okay, like I, maybe, maybe I can make a difference for, for other people here. And it was bit by bit that I could, you know, kind of build up that capacity, I think. Taking that idea of, of building capacity bit by bit, do you think people were always particularly receptive of you as a leader? Because obviously, uh, there almost seems to be a sense of progression being vice-captain. 
and then going to president. You weren't vice president. No. Like, <laughs> do, yeah. do you think that was built, or were you always like year seven? You're good. Yeah. Everyone loves you, you from know, year seven. I've actually, I actually have a letter up in my drawer. Um, and it was a letter I got after I'd won. I'd sorry, I'd um, not got captain. I'd lost captain to, to my best friend ben, Brennan Falk, who's an absolute superhuman. Shout out, Brennan. Over, shout out, Brennan. Currently over in Silicon Valley, um, <laughs> doing crazy things. Um, but I, I wrote myself a letter after I lost it um, because I would from that point in year seven as as SRC, I actually made a, a goal for myself was that I wanted to be school captain because I was looking up to excuse me these year twelves. Um, getting up on stage and, 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 you know, choosing the direction of the school that they wanted, they thought was, uh, they should go in. Um, and that was something that was, that was very endearing to me, I think. Um, not necessarily, you know, the lure of power, but just, um, their ability to make change, I think was, was really what grounded me. Um, but I was really upset by the fact that I didn't get captain at the time. And I, looking back on it, I think even the letter itself says that, um, it's really cause I lost my way a bit in year 11 and 12 and I started... You know, I stopped talking to everyone and, and, and started paying attention to certain groups more than others. Um, and that's, you know, uh, never something I wanted to do, but I, I, I fell back into that. In, in, even in third year of college, I stuck by, you know, my really good friends and had a, had a great year. And, you know, I think that's the virtue of third year. You just want to have good, good you know, um, a good time with your mates. But um, I still think that I, I kind of lost that, um, that vision for just being there for everyone and, having a, and taking on what... what, what everyone needs if that makes sense and it almost sounds like there's a love-hate relationship there where on one hand you wish you weren't as people-pleasing but on the other hand you come across circumstances where you think it would be better to be more people-pleasing yeah you know I think it's more the fact that um, I've noticed um, you know I, I, again I'd, I'd say it's a cycle now um, although I, I really hope I've broken it in the last you know year or so um, where there are definitely times and periods where I'll go through, um, I'll just lose sight a little bit of, of what it is, um, and who I, who I want to be, I suppose. And that people, that's when the people pleasing kind of comes in. Um, it's, 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 and that is, you know, definitely, a, a, I guess, um, in, in, I see it as a fake aspect of myself that, that, that I, I don't want to be a part of me really. So yeah, I think it's, it's definitely a tension that's there, but, um, I, I I'm quite proud in the fact that. Um, and especially since meeting Charlie, she's definitely my girlfriend. She's definitely brought out. Shout out Charlie. Shout out Charlie. You know, she's definitely brought out the. You know, I, I feel a lot more comfortable in myself and um, and and pushing my own pushing my own direction. So I think I've kind of given that one the the old one too. Um, I certainly hope so. And and you know, if I ever go back to that kind of aspect of myself, then um, please pull me up on it. But. I think also in, in the idea of people pleasing is, you know, it's, it's a bit of a tall poppy syndrome in Australia, right? Like it's like, it makes everyone happy, right? Like if, 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 if I engage with someone and you know, I, 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 I'm, I please them, um, then I'm happy. You know what I mean? And that's not, that's not fake in and of itself. I don't think so. You know, it's, it's, it's just when sometimes it gets a little bit out of control in my life. Mm. I will never forget. This was a moment in first year. You had just joined John's and we were sitting at one of those round tables in, it was right at the back of the dining hall and I was sitting with Julia, um, shout out Julia, <laughs> and you were very new and so you came and sat at our table and before you sat down, one of the first things you said to Julia was, can I get you a glass of water? 
And I'm not sure, but I think at the time you, you barely knew Julia. Um, and that was a, a question which I would say you asked a complete stranger. Was that something you premeditated? Or are those kinds of niceties and those kinds of behaviours just natural to you? Yeah, you know, that, that, that's such a good question. I, to be honest, in, in truth, I don't even remember that. Um, but I think definitely through all of all of uh, my adult life, and, and I hoped, you know, when I was younger, I've always tried to be extremely polite. And I, I think it's something that I've, I've, I've I kind of lost sight of for a while. You know, I was, I was no longer letting people through doorways first and something like that, you know, things like that. Um, I was, I was, you know, uh, even, even once I, I remember feeling as though I'd, I'd, I kind of taken the, you know, I have a more physical presence, so I'm going to make my way through here first. And I, and I turned back to myself and I said, that's, that's not who I am. Um, I always want to have the best manners in the room. I think that's something else my dad, my dad made to drill into me. Um, is that, you know, they're, they're not only a, an, an, an exceptional weapon in kind of, you know, putting people off guard who, who might have some kind of conflict with you. Um, but as well as that, they're just, they're just a good thing to do. And again, they make, they make everyone feel good. You know, I get to take Julia water. <laughs> um, I, I, immediately you have, you have, um, you know, just, just a bit more, um, rapport with someone, which is an extremely important building block whenever you're trying to make friends. Um, and friends are, are something that I love and cherish in my life. Yeah, yeah. This is probably a good time. So, towards the end of the interview, I usually like to bounce a few scenarios mm. off. <laughs> All right, let's do it. Um, so, I, and I really like this idea of politeness, actually. I, I, I want to make a point of that. Sure. Um, because I think there's often this real conflation that charismatic people just have it all, and it's just so natural for them. But when we think of something like manners... Mannerisms are learnt behaviours. You know, we're, we're taught what it means to be polite. We're mm. taught to, to open a door or to, to get someone water. Uh, and I think it just shines an interesting reflection on how much of that behaviour we think is extremely charismatic is actually things we, we teach ourselves mm. and standards we hold ourselves to rather than people just being born with manners. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So, first situation. Sure. I want to know what Kalepi does when Kalepi goes to a party and none of Kalepi's friends are there yet. And mm. so you're completely by yourself at this party with a bunch of people you don't know. It's the situation you see in every teen drama. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, it's a situation we've all been into. So yeah. what, is, what is that experience for you? What would you do? You know, I think... I find it a lot easier in those situations to be on my own than to have like one other person with me. I'm not, I'm not certain why that is, but, um, I, I'm, I think the main, the main thing for me would be to, you know, there's, there's, there's usually some, some link if you're at a party, right? Whether or not it's, it's knowing someone, etc. Um, or whether, you know, you saw someone you knowing played footy with. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah. Like, especially in Canberra, there's always some kind of link you've got. Um, and I cherish those situations. I think they're, they're extremely interesting and extremely challenging. Um, and you know, I met, I met Charlie at one of those parties. I'd been at work till 10 PM and I was like, Oh, you know, I'm invited to this party, but I'm not sure if I'll go. And then I was like, you know what? Screw it. I'm going to go, um, just have a crack. Like it's not really with people that I, I, I know it all. Um, 
and you know, obviously ended up meeting the woman that I love. So um, I think just in terms of approaching that, it's always finding common ground. Um, usually drinking helps assist <laughs> in some kind of so, social lubricating way. Um, but yeah, it, it's, it's just, it's not something I've really ever had um, much problem with is, is making small talk. If anything, I'm far too good at it. <laughs> and I, I, you know, I struggle to get into the deeper stuff mm. a lot of the time. Um, so yeah, finding common ground, first of all, with someone, anyone, um, and then, you know, leeching off that person from that. <laughs> no, no moving, moving, on, moving on when you feel like the conversation's ready to and, and, and striking up a conversation with someone else in you. Yeah, wonderful, yeah. wonderful. Uh, the only real rejection that I've had is, is, is going up to, to, to girls for the first time and speaking to them and then realizing that I've got no idea what I'm doing, that um, I'm worried about what I'm going to say, that nervousness is back, but I can't quite channel it into, into being charismatic. And sometimes I can, sometimes I can't. But um, I think that's 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 definitely for me at least um, the periods where I've where I've where I've gone through the most hardcore rejections. Just just flagging this as, as something that happened in the past, so <laughs> we, we can talk about this. It's, that's right. It, this it's is all pre-girlfriend. You know, this is pre-girlfriend. <laughs> yeah. What was the hardest rejection for you? You know, I I don't even know if it was a rejection, but it was uh, it was a girl I got I went up to. I knew who she was because um, I've I've I've. You know, uh, I always um, really, you know, appreciated her vibe um, and went up to her and then I just got her name wrong first off, straight off the bat. And there was just absolutely no recovery from that. And then eventually, you know, um, she was like, oh, it was really nice to meet you. And then, you know, kind of floated away and I was like, oh yeah, that's fair enough. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I'd say that definitely is. Um, with with, with um, uh, other people, I, I, I don't think I've, I've really had that kind of hardcore rejection or none that at least that stand out to me, but I'm, I'm sure they've happened, but you know, they're, they're definitely not sore points for me. Yeah. You live in one. I, I think it. there's always your first rejection or, mm. you know, there, there's always these notable rejections that happen. Mm. Um, and, and those are the ones that, that stick with you. Yeah. Um, Maybe one day when you have a podcast, you can interview me. I'll tell you all about mine. <laughs> <laughs> Mate, we can just, uh, we'll just flip this. I'll, I'll just, just flip this. Interview okay. for next Hi, week. you're listening to Be Knock After Hours with Kalebi Mbum. The last one I wanted to bring up was a situation that I thought of when you were talking about your high school experience, especially mm. towards the end. This, this sense of not only wanting to be liked, but wanting to be liked by the right people. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I think, I think that's always the question, you know, and, 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 and easily the, the group and groups I feel the, the least comfortable around personally are the, like the really turbo groups at ANU, you know, and I love them all. They're, they're, they're all fantastic, but definitely in like a, in a social situation, that's the one I, I struggle to be, um, uh, as much myself in, I suppose. Um, but, you know, that, that was the, those were the groups that I was putting in the most effort with. And it kind of came, meant coming to the realization that I'm actually a lot of the time just more happy handling and dealing and uh, enjoying the time with, with my friends that I feel the most comfortable with. Um, and that was, that was definitely a big moment for me. Um, understanding that meant, you know, as happy as, as I've always been, um, it meant that I could be, you know, um, a lot more sure of myself and, and it brought a lot of satisfaction. Clappy, <laughs> thank you so much for joining. Thank you very much. It was really good to have you here on Beanock After Hours. We will see you all next week. Another Beanock. And thank you all very much for joining me for my first episode of Beanock After Hours. 
Today we had our very special guest, Kleppi Mbamba, and it was awesome to speak with him. After these episodes, I like to do a quick breakdown of things we can take away from the conversations we've just had. The first was the learnt nature of charisma. When Kalepi was speaking about how his dad taught him life lessons, and even afterwards we spoke about how we both went onto YouTube as teenagers to look up how to ask open questions and, and, and things like that, that builds a robust knowledge of how to engage with people that you might not necessarily have any kind of common ground otherwise. The second key takeaway was this underlying optimism that Kalepi brought to every single situation he was in. He views parties as opportunities. He views other people as special and having something to say that he can learn. I think when you couple that with this robust knowledge of how to talk to people, you get a charisma like Kalepi's. You get this one-of-a-kind person who really sticks with you long after you've spoken to them. Next week, I will be interviewing Brandon Hargraves about how he built a multi-million dollar company in under a year by growing sea cucumbers in the Philippines. Until then, I have to go. I hope you all have a wonderful evening.